You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Uh, today we conclude our series called The Games We Play, recognizing that every human act interaction is a bit of a game of status, learning how to work well with one another. Our scripture lesson today comes from Colossians, the third chapter. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. So if you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These things, uh, these are the way uh, you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones... Holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Above all, Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called into the one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, A couple days ago, I was playing one of my favorite uh, PlayStation games. It's called Injustice 2. Uh, the sequel to Injustice 1, Uh, and it's based, it's kind of like a comic book game where uh, it's based in DC Comics. The premise of the game is, so what happens if Superman goes bad? Like, how do you handle that, right? It's a fighting game. It's like Mortal Kombat and all these really good household, family-friendly games that we grown-ups play. Um, And I always choose Batman because why would you not choose Batman? Because Batman is the greatest character of all time. But a couple, of, but not every character really matches up with Batman well. So I was playing the game and I kept losing. 
and I got frustrated and I got mad. So I threw the controller down and I heard from across the room, Annalise said, rage quit. I was like, excuse me. I did not rage quit. I'm just taking a break, which is about as honest as your dad was when he fell asleep during the Saints game. (laughs) And he said that he was just checking his eyelids for holes, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't taking a nap. I was just resting my eyes, right? Rage quit. Here's the thing about video games. It's it's actually kind of silly to get upset when you... um, uh, uh, fail at a video game because the beautiful thing about video games and online gaming and this kind of thing is that you can literally start over, start right back where you were. You know, if you if you if you died in the game, you just you, you you start where you were, and there's no there's no penalty for failure with these games. I'm going to say that again. There's no penalty for failure with these games. In them, there is kind of this no fear identity in playing these games. There's no penalty for failure. Or at least maybe the, the only penalty is when you rage quit these games because you're, you're frustrated. Maybe the only penalty of these games is self-imposed. A lot of these games, especially like uh, these new games that are coming out, uh, are kind of open universe games. They're kind of open-ended. You can go wherever you want, do whatever you want. Like, for example, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is like a big game in our household. We love this game. Um, you can go anywhere, do anything. You can follow the, the story if you want to, and you might be more successful doing it that way, but you don't have to. You can go in any direction do anything. And again, if you fail, there's no consequence for failing. You just start right where you left off and you keep going. There's almost no right or wrong with these games. We started playing a game in our household and actually Cecilia uh, developed it. I made it up. Well, I don't know if it's original with Cecilia, but it, it is original to us through Cecilia. Uh, I don't even know if this game has a name yet. It's, it's called words, where you say a word, bird. And then the person next to you says a word that makes them think of that word. So, sky. And then it's your turn again. You're like, okay, sky. Fly. But this, that's when the game gets interesting, because the word fly, is that, is that a verb? Or is that a noun? Are you, are you like flying, or are you like a fly, Right? And then the game goes in whatever direction it, it, it goes, right? There's no right, there's no wrong, it's just a thing. So what we're going to do, and this is an introvert's worst nightmare, I understand that. But I want you, with the people around you, we're going to spend two minutes, just two minutes, to all the introverts in the room, God love you. The games we play ends today, okay? So next Sunday, I promise, there won't be any audience participation. You won't have to talk. You can just sit there and like soak up the word of God. But right now, what I want you to do is get with a partner or maybe three, maybe four, but that's kind of pushing it. And I want you to play this game. It's very simple. You say a word, whatever word that comes to mind, bird, uh, car, um, Bible or whatever, right? You say a word, the person next to you will say the first word that they think of that says that word, and then it's your turn again, right? And you just see where it goes, okay? Keep in mind your first word and then where the game goes, okay? Are we clear? That's the only instruction. You say a word, the person next to you says a word that makes you think of that word, and then vice versa, and you keep it going, yeah? Two minutes, we're going to play this just for two minutes. Ready? Ready? 
set, go. Thirty seconds. Four, three, two, one. Bingo. Okay, good. Did you notice like the room got a little bit louder? There was more laughing at the beginning, right? Uh, did 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 any of your words take you in a very interesting and unexpected direction? Yes, right. Yes, they're like, yeah. We started with spaghetti, and then someone said Game of Thrones, and then we have no no idea like how to get this back to where we. That's the thing, right? And I've heard it said like uh, those of you who are pilots, like if if you leave. Uh, like San Francisco, you're trying to get to, to New York and you're off by just a degree over time. If you don't correct for that, you'll end up in Washington, D.C., right? The power of words. You may start with like apple, pear, and then you say, okay, pear, Noah, animals, zoo, right? And it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And depending on the flavor of your language, <laughs> dictates where you end up. The power of words. The power of words. For example, when Isabel was young, when my oldest was, was young, um, she loved to stand on the kitchen table. Right? So we, as being new parents, we, we would say what? Don't stand on the kitchen table. And then not long from then, what would she do? Stand on the kitchen table. So we as new parents then said what? Don't stand on the table, right? You know the definition of insanity, right? <laughs> right? Standing on the table. Don't stand on the table. Until finally someone, and maybe it was my mother, my parents, my parents are here today, by the way. Uh, um, an amazing thing happened. Um, once I started having kids, they became a lot smarter. <laughs> For years, they were dumb. Like, right around the age of 13, like, their intelligence just, I don't know what happened to them, but they were just going, you know, I'm surprised they could put their shoes on, right? But then once I started having kids, they became so wise. I don't know what happened. I think it was my mother who said, when you say, don't stand on the table, 90% of your words is what you don't want her to do. So try this. Keep your feet on the floor dramatic shift in 
parenting, in our household, instead of saying, don't put your, because if you say, don't put your feet on the table or, or don't stand on the table, it breeds other questions like, okay, if I can't stand on the table, can I stand on a chair? No, don't stand on a chair. Okay. Can I stand on the couch? No, don't stand on the couch. Okay. Can I stand on, you see where I'm going is, or, or you can just say, keep your feet on the floor. Now that covers a lot of sins. <laughs> keep your feet on the floor. Same thing, right? At, at the pool. We've talked about the pool a lot. If you keep saying, don't run, don't run. All they hear is run, right? Or you can say walking feet, use your walking feet or walk. Please. Same kind of thing. Uh, I'm picking on Isabel because she's not here. Um, hey, Isabel, if you're watching the live stream, text me. So when Isabel was young, she used to, she, we got like a, like a brand new, not super fancy, but like 60 inch Vizio flat screen, t- which is, if you're a first time parent and you have a young child, don't, just don't, <laughs> just don't do that. But we got a new TV and she started drawing on it. <clears throat> so what did we say early in our, in our parenthood? Don't draw on the TV. So then what did she do? Well, she, well, she didn't draw on the TV. She started drawing in the hallway, right? On the thing. Don't draw on the... Instead of... So this is what you do. Instead of saying, don't draw on TV, you say, draw on paper. You hand her paper. Draw on... You use positive language. It causes a dramatic shift in their action... And also my blood pressure. (laughs) The author of Colossians is talking about a dramatic shift in the way that Christians are supposed to be in the world. A dramatic shift in language, a dramatic shift in the way that we communicate, a dramatic shift in the way that we live out our shared lives together. Uh, The author writes, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. When thinking about sin and salvation, Paul often, uh, uh, the way that he describes salvation as sin is as if we're sitting in a jail cell. Jesus has already unlocked the door, but for some reason, we just don't think it's open. So we have a, a sister or a brother in Christ that says, no, 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 the, the door's unlocked. Like, come, come with me, come follow me. And you start to get up and you start to, with your own two feet, move out of the room. But then you start to ask, you start to get nervous. Like, well, I've never been outside the door. What's on the other side of the door? I'm fearful. I'm fearful of this freedom because it is so foreign to me. But you know what? I know this cell really well. It's not the best, but I know it. And... I, I might not get three meals a day when I'm outside of the door, but I know at least here I'll get three meals a day. And I, I don't know if I'll have shelter outside of that, that door of freedom, but I know that at least here in this jail cell, I, I'll, I'll stay out of the rain. And what happens over time, we don't move out of the cell. And then over time, sin makes us think that the door is locked. And we don't move. We think we are stuck. We think we are tethered. The door is not locked. The door is not locked. Christ has opened that door. We are called to stand up 
and walk out into the freedom of the world. And that was when Moses led God's people out of Egypt, they kept looking behind, they kept looking over their shoulder, right? Moses, did you lead us out here in the wilderness to die? We'd rather go back to Egypt. They kept looking over there. They would prefer slavery over freedom because that is what they knew. You've heard the phrase, I'd rather the devil I know than the devil I don't know. (laughs) Right? With this dramatic shift of resurrection, it causes us to trust, to move, to enter into freedom. And that causes a dramatic shift in our language, in the way that we serve one another, the way that we understand our shared lives with each other. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly. And then the author of Colossians begins to list these earthly things. Now, when I was new to ministry, I was a youth director. That's how a lot of pastors are born. Uh, they, they, they're the gullible ones in the room and they say, sure, I'll help with youth. And then like 30 years later, they're, they're, they're pastors. Um, I remember when I was uh, a young youth director, I would sit, I would sit them down uh, and I would give them a long list of rules, right? You know, trying to, you know, I'm in charge. So I said things like, don't sneak out at 1 a.m. Don't cut a little hole in the bottom of your water bottle and fill it with vodka and then put a little putty there and, and seal the top. don't make out with your girlfriend in the back of the church van when it's dark and the youth pastor can't see you because he's concentrating on driving the van, right? I wasn't giving them rules. What was I giving them? Ideas. When we read, because we come across these lists in scripture, right? Put away fornication, put away judgment, put away things. And the point isn't to say like, what kind of fornication? Like, is there some fornication I can do? Or like how, or when it says evil desire. Well, how evil is evil? We start to think about loopholes and we start to think about ways around. Instead of, there's a difference between saying don't stand on the table versus keep your feet on the floor. Sometimes when we get into these lists of scripture, (laughs) we pay a lot of attention into the list instead of what the list is asking us not to do (laughs) or or to be proactive to do. In other words, sometimes we get really hung up on the don't, 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 that we forget that we should do this in remembrance of me. So these lists that we see, they're not meant to be exhaustive, right? Right? Well, Paul didn't say I couldn't love money or whatever, right? Paul didn't say in this list that I couldn't, like, let zebras out of the zoo or whatever, right? It's not meant to be a comprehensive list of don'ts. What he's saying is put away these things. Put down the way you used to. The door is not locked. Stand up, stop believing these things, and move. Do Instead of, don't. Don't climb the table is different than keep your feet on the floor. Do this in remembrance of me. The author goes, and when we start to do this, it changes the way that we interact with each other. So it's, it's no accident that the author of Colossians then says, by the way, when you start following this, when you start doing, when you accept this freedom, there's no longer Jew or Greek or Scythian or barbarian. We're all one in Christ. 
And sometimes that can get a little tricky. Several years ago, we hosted, um, I say we, uh, it was over at, at Broadmoor uh, when I was the associate there. We hosted Cambodian missionaries. Uh, they came over from Cambodia. We had a district-wide event. Uh, and I was, I was tasked, because I was the associate pastor, and you can abbreviate associate any way you want. It was my job to introduce the Cambodian missionaries. So I went back to my office and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to greet them in their native tongue. Because, friends, I try real hard to use inclusive language and make sure everyone's comfortable and all these things. I'm going to greet them with their native language. So uh, they're here. I'm standing in front of the district. And I look at them. They're from Cambodia. Remember that. I put my hands together and I say, Namaste. And they look. So I did what any rational human being would do. I said it louder and slower. <laughs> Namaste. And they look <laughs> a third time. <laughs> Namaste. And then it finally, it finally dawned on me that they don't, they're not picking up what I'm putting down. So I said, like, the cardinal sin. I said, isn't this a word you people use? At that point, I wanted a hole in the earth to swallow me, right? I'm done. I can't show my face again. Isn't this a word you, oh my gosh. And they said, no. So I said, well, it, it means the Christ in me bows to the Christ in you. And Marilyn Chan was her name. Marilyn said, Sounds interesting. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. So I'm just, and, and eventually, like, we moved on. But just, like, the whole time I was thinking, like, how did I get that so wrong? So, and by the way, I have, the, I have the word namaste over my door in my office, right? Because it reminds me, number one, of this very awkward moment in my life. Because I went back to my office that day and I realized it's not Cambodian, it's not even Buddhist, it's Sanskrit. <laughs> It's Hindi. It's a Hindi word. It's as if I went to Canada and said, hola, y'all. Like, it just doesn't, it's nowhere near the same kind of thing. So I have, I have namaste over my door. One, to, you know, to the Christ in me bows to the Christ in you. It's this beautiful, peaceful kind of a thing. But it's also to remind myself to not take yourself so seriously. Stop taking yourself so seriously. The work is serious. Us sharing Christ in the world is absolutely serious, and it is super important. But stop taking yourself so seriously. And I, I almost chuckle every time I say namaste. Stop. When we start to use language, as the author of Colossians asks us to do, put down these earthly things, get out of the jail cell, the door is not locked. When we start picking up things like kindness, generosity, right? Uh, forgiveness, patience. We begin to realize that maybe I've been conflating myself just a bit too much. And it's not that there's not no longer Jew and, and, and Greek. The point of that is that the animosity between us has been crucified, right? The animosity between us has been crucified. Love your neighbor 
Stop taking yourself so seriously. And then maybe, maybe we won't ever go back into the jail cell because we're having too much fun transforming the world. Colossians goes on to say, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Clothe yourselves with these things. Uh, when I was in the Holy Land several years ago, um, I was walking through the marketplace because, like, right down the center of Jerusalem, uh, there's, uh, there's an artery and a vein, because so there's, like, these four channels. That, so Jerusalem is in quarters, right? There are different quarters. The main drag uh, is all these shops and vendors and this kind of thing. And I was walking through the city, and I realized that they were calling out to me in English. And I was surprised. I could be from anywhere in the world. Why are they calling out to me in English? So I went back to our tour guide. And I asked him, I was like, how do they know? How do they know to call out to me in English? And he's like, you're wearing a cardinal's hat. <laughs> and, and you have baggy blue jeans on, right? And like a fanny pack. I mean, he goes, you look American, right? And I was completely unaware. Like, I was just wearing, like, they know that. You know, if you're wearing a, a baseball cap and baggy jeans with a fanny pack, you know, so amazing, amazing uh, fashion choice. They know to call out to you in English because it's obvious where you're from, who you claim, how you live, how you do. Ultimately, this scripture says, above all, clothe yourself with love. Above all. It doesn't say we can't clothe ourselves with cardinal's hats and baggy jeans, but love should be as obvious to others as the clothing that we wear. Just like they knew how to call out to me in English, when we clothe ourselves with love, the world will respond to us in a particular way, and we, in turn, will return to the uh, will we'll react to the world in a particular way. It's as if you're playing a game where someone says a word and they say a word back to you. And then you say a word back to them. And all the words are related. When these words are full of kindness and meekness and patience, words that invite us to bear with one another, words that are words of love, that game will be taken in a particular direction. And it will be fruitful. It will be lovely. It will be words of resurrection. Or we can play this game with one another and our words can be full of malice, anger, frustration, and that will take the game in quite a different direction. This last thing. What is your above all? Above all, clothe yourself with love. Today, right now, what is your above all? Paul Tillich, who was a, a theologian in the early 20th century, said, you know who your God, and I'm paraphrasing uh, poorly, you know who your God is when you have identified your ultimate concern. Your ultimate concern is your God. What is your above all? How do you define that? Does that need to be refined? Does that need to be redeemed? When you identify your above all, do you feel like, well, maybe I've been sitting in a jail cell for too long? And the pastor said, the door's open. 
maybe, maybe I should take a walk, <laughs> take a stroll. So I invite you this week, maybe over lunch today, throughout the week, play this game. We'll call it words. I don't know. Maybe Cecilia can help us out and give us a name of, of what the game is supposed to be called. Pay attention to your language. Where does that game bring you? Does it bring you to a place where someone can say, I saw love? Above all, they were clothed with love or, or not? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray.